have risen from the ashes to school the masses. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Scholars Wrestling Show, episode 430. I'm your man behind the microphone, Scholar Jeff. Joining us this week is the OG Undisputed Scholar himself. You know him. You love him. He is Scholar Tarek. Scholar Tarek, how is your evening going, sir? My evening is going very well. I am just really exhausted from all the rest, the, not just all the wrestling, all the great wrestling that's, I, uh, not just me, everyone else has been just getting, not just from WWE this past weekend at Money in the Bank, but AEW as well, well, AEW slash New Japan, as well as with Forbidden Door, and now we're looking at, looking forward to All In and SummerSlam. And just from the build from both companies, I couldn't be any more excited. It's very energy draining. Oh, yeah. This is definitely one of those weeks. But there's going to be plenty to look forward to in the very near future. We're going to break down it all. But first, we're going to start off with a little bit of a segment we like to call Backstage News. Indeed, we shall go ahead and peek behind that curtain once again. And it's like, oh, wait a second. Uh, yeah, you already told me what the backstage news is going to be. Oh, this, this, okay, let me, I'll just close the curtain and just walk away and check in on some more backstage news. 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 Hey, it's interesting to you one keep, of us, man. Hey, you could keep you could keep the curtain closed on this one. I I, I had my peek. And oh, I'm just like, no, oh. I can't. <laughs> <laughs> because we someone had a very good week this week because my boy Eddie Kingston has officially won the New Japan Strong Openweight Championship his first bit of gold in New Japan Pro Wrestling and as someone who knows that Eddie Kingston has been a New Japan fan since he was very young just like a lot of people guys and and fans of our generation, this one was definitely a feel-good moment. And I know that a lot of people, myself included, have been waiting for him to get his first belt in a long time. I think it's a pretty safe bet to say that very few of us actually expected him to beat Kenta for this title. In all actuality... I was really picturing him to win a title more down the line. Well, granted, it's also another company's title while he's still contracted with Tony Khan. And I guess, AE, I, yeah, I guess it's all under the same, same umbrella. It's all yeah. under the same umbrella. Yeah. So, yeah, he's contracted with Tony Khan. So I was expecting him to win a title later but that's just more of my fantasy booking with what i've uh talked about with you and the others off screen which i guess i'll, I'll hint to that uh on this one since it's an eddie kingston topic and i'm actually starting to see people actually really digging into the idea of eddie kingston joining the blackpool combat club it looks like even after this past week, it looks like they're starting to plant seeds of Moxley wa really wanting to help Kingston and letting go of the past and hopefully bet to help better himself in the future, which hopefully uh, him winning this championship 
I don't know. Well, they, they, I would say they probably would reference it on the show, but hell, they don't reference Moxley being the uh, IWGP United States champion, at least not uh, very much. I'll tell you what, I, I've been doing a little bit of thinking about this, and I think I think you're right that they probably aren't going to mention it for some time on AEW programming, but maybe not for the reasons that you're probably thinking. And I'll just flat out say it. This time next week actually begins yours and Brian's most favorite tournament of the year. It is New Japan Pro Wrestling's G1 Climax, of which Eddie Kingston is a participant. I guess the climax will reach that certain point for, uh, you know, others on the show. Me, it's just going to be. In my case, it would be a letdown. <laughs> I would just basically leave myself. I would just leave it climax free and just disappointed. Well, there's a lot of other personalities in the G1 climax as you do every single year. I know, but I know that the whole idea of this year, of this year's specifically is just centered around our favorite, well, your guys' favorite, Eddie Kingston. But I'm just now saying, okay, let's see if he does it. Well, I'll tell you what. into it as you guys are. And I'm, I'm going to say this outright, and this is me as an Eddie Kingston fan. I really don't think he's going to win this. But I really don't think he has to either for where he is in the hierarchy of the pro wrestling world at the moment. Mm -hmm. I was really hoping just to see him do well for himself, maybe be among the top scorers in his in his bracket. But really, this title win, when him winning the New Japan Strong cha uh, Openweight Championship. This sort of takes a different turn on things for me. Like it's no secret, Eddie Kingston, kind of like in the in a very similar vein as or, like an Orange Cassidy, was a bit of a fan favorite. Where a lot of us, myself included, were really waiting for him to win that win that big title, win something that's sort of just like okay, you're over, you're a fan favorite. You may not win the world title like the AEW championship. But you still deserve something for all you've done and how good you actually are. However, I didn't expect him to win a title in New Japan, especially not going into the G1 Climax. So in a certain sense, there is a... Let's say there's a little bit of a dynamic shift of him going into this tournament. Because, again, he's a super fan. He clearly... This is like dream material for him to be in the G1 Climax. While I expect him to be make a good appearance, I don't think, th that being said, I don't think this, this title win for New Japan is going to be the final word. He'll probably be stay in New Japan for a while since he's participating in the G1 Climax. But I think it's not going to come down to the title so much as much as it will be his performance in the G1 Climax, that is going to really determine any presence 
that Eddie Kingston has for the, any titles in AEW. It, does that make sense? Like, I can see Tony Khan paying attention to what he does with New Japan first, how he, the kinds of matches he has, how much he delivers. And I think that's going to be like the thing that t- puts him over the top to determine, okay, does he feud with somebody else? Does he go for the TNT championship? Does he feud with Claudio again and grab the ROH title? Does he not do anything at all? I- I've got a weird feeling that this tournament and his subsequent title defenses are going to be the one that sort of shapes what we see out of Eddie Kingston when he returns back to the States full time. Does that make sense? It does. And it's like the more I'm like, I'm hearing what you're saying. I'm now just fantasy booking of how I want. No pun intended his, his story to end. And I see that story ending with Claudio and Eddie Kingston for the ring of honor world championship. But it would be, it's just the journey of getting there is going to be completely different. And I look at this as continuing on of basically my fantasy booking of him joining Blackpool combat club and in details of what I told you and, and the guys off camera, I look at his initiation match which you know they to join the club you have to draw blood that's going to be uh him versus claudio at the point where they hate each other so much so of course there's definitely going to be blood drawn and it really does it really doesn't matter who wins right is it just beat the beat the shit out of one of us honestly i can't recall I feel like it's been so long since he lost initially, but then eventually he got his win. And I, so I I don't know if that's a hard and fast rule for the Blackpool Combat Club since it's been so, so long since they recruited Wheeler Yuta. I don't know how, how much they're sticking to that. But if it is, that is, I, I think that is a hint that possibly. Mm-hmm. possibly we could and... conceivably get and if they uh, they do end up jo- add, adding them to the black bull combat club there is a possibility that he could actually beat claudio for the roh championship well to go to continue with uh with pretty much my fantasy this is now just scott tarik's fantasy booking how would you how would he book it um actually it would be when he joins the Blackpool Combat Club, Moxley and Danielson pretty much just assign Claudio to be his to be his, I guess to say mentor or help basically to help him with uh, getting over his over his demons. Which, funny enough, will add could add on to having Claudio accompany Kingston during the G One Climax matches. Hmm. And I see it as I even see it going down the line where they're basically rekindling their friendship to the point where sort of like a uh, ripoff of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they actually win the tag team titles together. And it ends with now them fighting one on one for the Ring of Honor World Championship, not as people who who hate each other as 
their initiation match, but as people who rekindle their friendship and are once again brothers. And that'll be Kingston's moment of him actually winning since it would be Claudio helping him get to the point where he's already, he's not let go of the past. He's, he's bettering himself. And now he's a world champion. And you're, you would actually be cool with this as someone who's a very strong Claudio fan and one of the, the biggest critics I know of Eddie Kingston. You would be okay with this outcome. The more I'm looking into the Eddie Kingston story, it's just, it's now just reached that point where he's hang, he's hanging himself so much into the past that it's hurting himself and people around him and people who care about him. It's now coming. It's now bringing pity out, and that now I just I want this guy. I want Blackpool Combat Club to do what their whole plan of forming this stable is is to help better better yourself. Hmm. You know, I have to admit, I did not expect that kind of reaction from you. It's and it's are it's we actually basic, both coming the center here? It is good. It's just good storytelling that has that would resonate years of that took years to tell, and ending it right before that comes to the point where eventually, yes, they will be old. They they're getting older. They're not getting any younger. They will eventually retire. So. Why not end that story down like another year or so building up and finally putting a tie, uh, putting a nice bow on that knot. I'll tell you what, that is a much more grounded response that I was expecting. I And you know what? I'm all for it. Like everything you said does make sense. And my inner fanboy gets it. And, Gets what he wants to see. Uh, Eddie Kingston win, winning a major world championship. I am more than okay with this. I really am. I mean, uh, how nice a vision would it be to have Eddie Kingston win the world title and going in full Ring of Honor fashion, they shake hands, not because they have to in Ring of Honor rules, but because they want to and they raise each other's hands because... It's the ending of their story. I would be more than okay with that result. And I think that, who knows, maybe this is all in motion in the long term. Maybe Now it's it's just the question on how everyone else would respond to that. (laughs) They watch this episode and be like, is Tarek really saying this? Jesus, where is this coming from? I I will say, however, you, I, I feel like, the fandom of Eddie Kingston all usually comes down to how much you've been paying attention to him and how much you know about his history. And really, I think you've also seen an, as a relatively new person to what Eddie Kingston brings to the table. I think you've seen more of what we're seeing where, yeah, we've seen him do this kind of stuff over a period of decades at this point. But because I think you've seen the promise of what can be and what can still be, I I think that is that level of rationality is coming into play. I think it's like I said, it's all bringing everyone to the same place regarding Eddie Kingston. So, oh, yeah, I, I still, think there's going to be some surprise to your answer. But at the same time, 
there's a lot of other people going to where you're at right now, if that makes sense. I still think he gets, I still think the IWC overhypes him. Well, I, I think I, it's I think... mostly because of the the excitement of seeing someone like Eddie Kingston finally get hired by a major promotion and get to show off what he's been doing elsewhere for decades and finally getting him to show off this dude at who's been like an unsung hero of the indie wrestling scene for a very long time. I think, yeah, it is. I can see how you would be like, what the hell is this guy about? But at the same time, I think it's just like over excitement, I guess, for something that and somewhat buddy that people have been wanting to see for a long time. If that makes sense. Mm. To an extent, yeah. yeah. It's just I know more... I'm never gonna sell uh, sell you on that one in per- that point in particular, but hey, you can't this win is, them all. This is now just really like really focusing in on what this character has brought today and the time I've watched and the time I've looked into their history because I especially when they had that last uh championship match between Claudio and Eddie. I did I did my history. I looked at their uh, Ring of Honor history and there is so much story to be told. And now that they uh, eight, Tony Khan has that video library, he can now book it well. He can book this uh this one final match throughout the entire history that they've had and where they've and where they've gone, where they ended up and what their what the match one on one match now means to them in the end. Well, I'll tell you what. Whatever happens next with Eddie Kingston, we are going to see it starting next week. I did look it up. His first match in the G One Climax is actually July sixteenth. I believe that's Sunday, where he's going to be facing in his first match. He's going to be facing Shingo Takagi. As a part of C block. Okay. So who knows how that's going to go. I have got, I think that this looks promising that he could win this first one and probably going to get taken down by some of the bigger names in C block. Mm-hmm. But the G, the climax begins next week. So we're all going to see how it all develops. I'm sure Brian will have a lot of climax jokes to make when he gets back. Very good. I'm just appreciating the calm before the storm at this point. But for in other places, the storm is coming. And in other places, the storm has already passed us. Coming. And it's gone. And it came. Eh! Uh, Anyway, (laughs) segues. Money in the bank. This one was a big one for the wrestling world and for us. Yes, I'm talking very fast so I can get away from that, but I don't care because we had someone who has retained his title and then we've got another person who just got his beefcase back. That's right. After the end of Money in the Bank, here at the Scholars of Wrestling, Scholar Brian not only has retained his title, but we also have Scholar Charlie Get for the second year in a row, getting back the scholars in the bank beefcase 
to redeem and cash in for another title shot or to break a tie or to get that title again. I Yeah, we've been here before. Let's not mince words. We have been here before. Second verse, same as the first. And for the people who actually pay attention to the scholar scores, we have definitely been here before because... Oh, Charlie, we're just going to call you out on the show. You had it. You had the win even before you left your our chat. He's like, okay, tell me the result. Tell me the result of the main event. And we're and literally all of us are thinking, Charlie, you won. Where's the cash in? <laughs> I didn't want to. I did oh, not want to say anything, but I oh, noticed when I say anything, but the we're just final like, scores on our group chat i'm like oh boy and i just posted it waiting for someone to say something and then you finally posted something like a half an hour later they're like yeah we've got a whole other year potential year of this of charlie just not paying attention to the scores (laughs) oh but uh, you know what i think that's what makes him dangerous this is going to be the year when Okay, he's back. He's not going to make the same mistakes again. Because really, Charlie, for this, for Money in the Bank, he did have the highest score. He could just, he could have just scooped up the title and that's it. Who knows? He could absolutely do it again. Except he didn't. (laughs) This time. But again, he's, we're all an older, another year older, another year wiser. And it's a whole other uh, 364 more opportunities to make that scholars in the bank beefcase work for him. But in any case, before we go any further with the speculation, excuse me, and trash talk, we got to see how we got here. This is our rundown of the results of Money in the Bank 2023, starting with the men's Money in the Bank. And lo and behold, the first surprise of the night, we actually got Damian Priest winning the winning the the money in the bank for the men. And yeah, I think Brian was the only one who called this one. So to on in all honesty, it's not at all surprising. I mean, he was honestly, he was my leading contender to uh uh to win it until Logan Paul came in and just completely ruined everything and took away my money in the bank prediction card bastard uh but really looking in the long run it actually makes so much more sense for him to have the to have the briefcase to actually build on to build a storyline with him having it which what they're doing now with him and seth rollins and finn balor uh this looks like it's now reaching the point where People are asking, is this the end of the Judgment Day? More like, is this the end of the Judgment Day as we know it? But am I mad that LA Knight didn't win it? I'm disappointed, but really, it makes perfect sense that he's now just re, like, really building on this popularity. He actually doesn't. He doesn't really need the briefcase. And if the rumors are to be true and that he's getting 
a U.S. title match against Austin Theory at SummerSlam, then I think that's a good uh, replacement uh, than getting the briefcase. Yeah. Yeah, The I was listening to, uh, in the immediate aftermath, I was listening to Busted Open Radio, and they were saying something that was far more obvious, that it makes total sense that Damian Priest would be the one because the other two favorites in the match, Logan Paul is a, a part-timer. So what the heck is he going to do with the briefcase? He's most likely not going to win it. And second of all, LA Knight, LA Knight's on SmackDown. And there is, ain't no way he's going after Roman Reigns. He would have to change brands and go to Raw and win that one. So he, he really, it seemed unlikely that he was going to win if he was meant to stay on SmackDown for the foreseeable future. So in that honest. sense, yeah, it only left, it really only left Damian Priest as the only remaining guy to win. I'm going to have to make an argument against the whole uh, Logan Paul being a part-timer. Because really thinking about it, him being a part-timer actually would have really worked to hold that briefcase because you don't know when he would show up and it took, it basically took the big mystery. It's like, okay, well this story, everything's happening on TV. So-and-so is happening, but there is that, there is that thing back there. That one little hint of knowledge that somewhere lurking is just some guy who really likes making videos for 14 year old girls and talking about his energy drink on his podcasts. Yeah. That's really all. That's really all I got with Logan Paul, but yeah, it really was, I think there was more to the argument. All seriousness. The whole point, the whole point, the whole point is the part-time really, it added, could have added much more. What's the word mystery, I guess of when the possibility of a cashing could have happened. So it really could happen at any time for someone who's normally not there and just showing up out of nowhere. I actually think it could have worked. It really would have worked on his behalf and him having it on his podcast. would just be good. Like publicity for outside viewers, like people who are following Logan Paul, but Hey, Damien priest was the better was real in and the better option. And I'm, I'm actually really happy with it. Yeah, it, it definitely works. It wasn't an unwise pick at all. But speaking of unwise picks, we have in our next match, we actually got Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez reta- regaining the women's tag team titles from Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler after Shayna totally turns on Ronda. She's, she's a heel now. And apparently they're looking to do a feud between Ronda and Shayna, which is way more interesting than they were anything they were doing with the, the tag team titles anyway. Okay, to be to uh to give it credit, they actually did want to do something with those women's tag team titles. Excuse me, but of course Ronda getting injured really screwed that whole thing up, and now with her contract about to reach its end she wanted to have a feud with Shayna Baszler before she left WWE so 
Is it very sudden? Absolutely. But it looks like they're just working. They're just having to make it work with the time that they have left to work. And Shayna's promo actually really like she makes a lot of sense with her uh with her gripes with uh ronda rousey it's like you're not ta- you're not taking this seriously you like i brought you into you brought you i brought you into this business and all you've been doing is just putting out terrible promos and complaining online so i'm just like okay it may have been a heel turn but maybe it could possibly be a baby face because Ronda's the more heelish of not being the one taking pro wrestling seriously. It, 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 it adds intrigue, and it's probably going to lead to, uh, shit, what is that? Uh, SummerSlam? Uh, uh, at SummerSlam, but just, uh, what is the name of that, that, that pit match? Oh, uh, Lion's Den match? Fight, like fight, fight pit uh, match. Like a yeah, yeah. Fight pit match. Yeah. I'll tell you what, as soon as I saw where they were going with this, the entire feud, just like, this is going to be the female version of Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle. Just two absolute people who know the same art and are able to perform it on a very high level. This, If this truly is the last we see of Ronda Rousey's t- uh, run in WWE... This is a great capstone way to to end everything off. I'm mm-hmm. real. I'm actually way looking, way more looking forward to this, more so than I have in with any Ronda or Shayna feud in years. This is, I think, exactly what what both women need to continue on, or in Ronda's case, possibly finish up. And then there's Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez winning the tag team titles that at this point now, no one's caring anymore. I, I was going to say, I, I really don't, which is very unfortunate. I, I I wish there was more for these ladies to do. I really do. Maybe maybe toss them to Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville. At least they that's seem to be doing. doing something. I really hope they do. I hope that's, that's what, the end. They won game. the gauntlet match. They won the gauntlet match to get a title shot. Oh, I really hope they do. I really hope they do. So you just want Liv Morgan and Raquel to be transitional champions? Yeah, I, I just, I, I just don't care about them as a tag team. I just so don't you think, care at all. You think they'll make Chelsea Green and Sonya Deville? Uh, what? Uh, wow, I am really bad at names right now. Uh, well, I'm always bad at names. Uh. Oh my God! Uh, what is the name? I can't even remember the names of the two that are in this one: Billy Kay and oh, the Peyton iconics. Royce, the iconics. Are you like? Do you think they'll make them like that kind of like jokey tag team champions? No, definitely not. I can see, if anything, I can see Sonya Deville being the more level-headed one and. Chelsea Green being the more like over the top, like goofy diva, more like what the Iconics were. Like I see Chelsea Green taking the more the way the Iconics were, and Sonya just being just like pardon pardon the pun here, but I'm going to use okay. Sonya Deville is a straight man. 
No like, pun intended. Yeah, like I, that's the best word I've got to describe it. I knew what I was walking into, but you know what I mean. I know what you mean. You want you want them to be the the uh, this generation's head cheese. Okay, that yeah, that works. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Chelsea Green is Al Snow. There you go. There's there's a visual for you. Oh, now you just see Chelsea Green putting a cheese hat on Sonia Deville. Deville given that the face. Uh, but she but secretly loves it. But speaking of secretly <laughs> loving it, we next up we did have Gunther defeating Matt Riddle and then subsequently being confronted by a returning Drew McIntyre of all people. I was Hard expecting to go ahead and gush. I was expecting Randy Orton. I even predicted that it was going to be Randy Orton. And I even remember asking Brian on the prediction. So I was like, if it's not Randy Orton, who who else do you see going for the Intercontinental Championship? Oh, yeah. That, yeah. Drew McIntyre is a good choice, too. I like Drew. Maybe you can help and, me out here, fool. When does when does Gunther break the record again? September eighth. September eighth. Okay. This is this is a tough one for me. Like if it this was after when if it if the match between him and Drew McIntyre happened after that date passed, then I'd say, okay, yeah. Drew McIntyre is probably going to beat Gunther for the title here, but since it's going, uh, since this match is most likely going to happen at SummerSlam, I feel pretty confident in saying that this could go either way. I think that I am convinced that Gunther is going to win and actually break the record from the Honky Tonk Man, but with someone like the like Drew McIntyre. I am very leery. Like, if anyone's got the chance to take it off, take it off, Gunther for the Intercontinental Title. I think Drew McIntyre has the strongest chance out of everyone we have anyone we've seen recently. I think Gunther's final test test of for this title run is most likely going to be Randy Orton. Hmm, interesting. He I just have that feeling that it's just stepping stones to like continuing his rise of the ranks of him beating these top top tier talent. And a part of me is still convinced that Sheamus is gonna be the one to drop the is gonna be the one to take the title off Gunther, even though he's a SmackDown guy, but I don't know. I still I it's just one of those things where I just am convinced it's just destined to happen. The man the man has to win that title before he hangs up the boots. Hmm. Um but hey, as long as he as long as he uh beats Honky Tonk's record. At that point he's like, "Okay, he's beaten the record. Have him uh, have him drop it and move on to the next to the next level of being in the in the world title picture. I'm not going to go as far as what Wade Barrett said about the Intercontinental title holding him back from being in that spot cuz I not think that's really I think that's a very stupid assessment. 
love you way bear but yeah i i don't agree with that at all um but i do think once once he once he does actually drop it he is just destined for that being that main event picture especially on raw well moving on to our next match we also got in what was far more of a straightforward match than i was expecting we got cody rhodes defeating dominic mysterio which cost me everything. Damn it, Cody. Damn it, Dominic. I got nothing more to say. You got something? This was the only real disappointing factor in this whole show for me. Because in a way, it's all—it's like people at, uh, adding the argument Cody should have won the title. This is just... It really would have benefited Dominic more to win. Uh, even thinking of like what they did the next night where they had Dominic face uh, face Seth Rollins. And just the idea of what they could have done if he if with that, if they had him lose, if they had him beat Cody. It's like, oh, Dominic go ahead, went ahead and, and beat Cody Rhodes uh, last night at Money in the Bank. Something that you, Seth Rollins, has never done before. You haven't been able to beat Cody. It's something Dom did. So what, are you afraid to face Dominic? But apparently the whole idea that why Brock why didn't why Brock didn't come out was because they had so many returns on that show on Money in the Bank anyway. They thought uh, having Brock Lesnar would be too much, which I think is actually kind of, again, stupid. But I actually think it would uh, it would have made the show a, a goat face for me if that happened. Because hmm. I just think, okay, now there's an actual reason, like a, a legit more reason for us to have a Cody versus Brock three other than just, Oh, Cody went out to talk to Seth Rollins. So Brock Lesnar's music hits. Oh, yeah, I'm fighting this guy. I'll be right back. Boring. Yawn. Eh. Yes, I pulled that boring meme, John. Hey, I just felt like they could have done more. It, It's just another missed opportunity of really adding to your next, to the next night. But yeah, that I that's get real, that's really the only real just dis- big disappointing thing that really came out of this show for me. Well, I'll tell you what, this next match I've gotten the card definitely did not disappoint, especially the ending because we got EO Sky winning the women's money in the bank in what was probably one of the cooler spots I've seen in a money in the bank match recently with hands down the best women's money in the bank so far okay yeah i'm no not contest. the one who had that that no opinion. contest this was actually more entertaining to me than arguably than the men's match was i really oh, enjoyed absolutely. this one absolutely because they the men's money in the bank had some good stories going for the match itself but the women's title like actually helped build on current feuds that are happening not just oh we're in the match so let's fe- so let's have a program we, with Trish Stratus, Zoe Stark, and uh, Becky Lynch, and the tension building between Eosky and Bailey. 
Nice uh, three. Who who was the who was the sixth person in the match? Who am I missing? Uh, who who do you put? Uh... The three with Zoe Stark, Trish, okay. and Becky, and then the uh, the inner turmoil of EO and Bailey. Oh, uh, Zelina Vega. So, oh yeah. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I underestimated Zelina. I went uh, against her character, but yeah, Zelina. Yeah, she was there too. Watch out for flying ch- flying chanclas. Oh, that's that's sad. I, oh man, I made that sad. <laughs> in, in all fairness, I don't think it's this is a statement at all on Zelina Vega. No. I think it speaks way more to the sheer star power and hype that was coming at this match from all sides. Mm-hmm. And, but yeah, like you said, Bill, uh, in putting in this match, the how it ended was just absolutely just hysterical. I loved it. With EO handcuffing Becky Lynch and Bailey, and just the visual of her climbing over Bailey to get the briefcase was just one of those hysterical things where I couldn't be any more happy that she actually won. I'm glad. I'm glad they didn't do with what you and Brian were predicting of having Trish win it and adding it to that storyline. I actually think. This one is the more as good as an idea of that one was that you guys pitched. I actually like the idea of uh, like the budding friendship that's slowly deteriorating because of the briefcase. And I'll tell you what, if it's anything like what we saw tonight on SmackDown, where EO Sky came within inches of cashing in the money in the bank briefcase on Asuka tonight. If it, she wasn't interrupted like seconds after attempting it, but nothing actually went through. This one immediately has my attention. Now we know that EO's got the hype, EO's got the briefcase, and she can strike at any time. And that... now that they're actually taking the women's briefcase seriously, not a cash in the same night or two nights later. Now people are joking, which, yes, it technically is true. EO now is the second longest person, uh, second longest woman to hold that briefcase on behind Camilla, Carmella, Carmella, Camilla, Carmella. Oh boy. But yeah, I know, I know what you mean. And there is a, I am, I'm very looking, much looking forward to what EO does with the briefcase. But as for the Mr. Money in the Bank, we don't have to worry too much about what he does with the briefcase. Because we got to see a little bit of it in this next match. We got Seth Rollins defeating Finn Balor, but not before Damian Priest came out in the middle of the match and briefcase in hand, just walking and just sitting, walking over the ring, just pulling up a chair, just watching. Which apparently was more than enough distraction for Finn Balor. I'm I'm digging the storyline with Finn Balor and I, just the Judgment Day in general. I love that the Judgment Day is now the main story of Raw. Yeah, it took some definite uh, maturation, let's say, but between Dominic's heat, uh, 
Rhea Ripley's momentum and popularity. Finn Balor's Finn Balor. And now Damian Priest is Mr. Money in the Bank. And he's been getting these great matches. Great main yeah. event matches. I wouldn't be shocked if the him getting the briefcase was just a thank you for all the, not only just the solid work he's been putting in, but also the work he's been doing with Bad Bunny. That's, yes. all of this definitely, again, it adds to the idea that maybe more of us should have been seeing this coming for Damian Priest the whole time. Like I said, he, he was my leading candidate to win until Logan Paul put himself in. Yeah, but again, and thankfully we all saw that just celebrity star power is not the only thing. It can be a big thing, but it's not the only thing. And ultimately, mm-hmm. a better, a much better choice was made in in Damian Priest. And now, I can't I, wait to see where they go with this Judgment Day storyline because of this. Yeah, even you, I know you and I were speculating like days ago just like okay how how in the world could this go down like will the judgment day break up will they turn into like splinter factions will they stick together and it'll just be like okay i'm not gonna cash in on you until someone else gets it yeah i feel like there's so many different directions that this can go that I, you can propose any number of things that you think is, are going to happen, and I will always have reasonable doubt. It's way, just way too early at, at this point. I'm like, I've had my own pitching. Uh, I well, not my own. I've it's some it's from uh, another source that that I follow that uh, pitched their idea, and I really loved it. And I, I kind of hope that's what happens. But, but yeah, the the possibilities are endless on what could be done. But it's also just trying to think. Okay, do they do it? Do they do the uh, cash in sooner rather than later before this whole the momentum that is being used before people start getting bored of the story? Like, are they just gonna keep booking Damian Priest to? Like, is he gonna get the money in the bank curse of? Oh, he has the briefcase, so he can lose as many times as he wants, and it's not going to hurt him because he has the briefcase. But mm-hmm. would you like? I guess I would. Have, I would ask you, like, would you want it to be a lengthy hold of the briefcase, or do you just want to like? Do you think this is going to be a short term? Honestly, I gave this a little bit of thought. My gut is telling me that the Damian Priest. Briefcase reign is go- is not going to be too long. I think that it's going if he he's going to cash it in within the next few months, like before, definitely before Survivor Series, long before that. But meanwhile, I think EO may hang on to the briefcase for a significantly longer period of time than Damian will, just because I was thinking I, that too. Yeah, I feel like the time to reward Damien and the, and to give him what he deserves, like the momentum. I feel like he needs the momentum more. Meanwhile, EO has been going strong for some time where she can just sort of take her time and use up not the entire year, but most of it in order to get what she wants. 
Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, I'm a big believer in striking while the iron's hot. So I'm going to say within the next three months for Damian Priest. I think so. All right. That that sounds like it's definitely he has the shorter the shorter fuse of when the cash in might happen. Uh, and it also brings the question on where they go with this cash in. Are they going to go the heel the heel cash in? the heel route cash in or they're going to do it where he's now a top baby face cash in and pinning on uh, getting the cash in on a bad guy. And for me personally, I actually kind of think he would benefit more being going down the dark path heel turn, but he's fully capable of being a fa- of doing a face to uh face turn as well. But I feel like in this case to help the one thing that really benefits with being a heel over a baby face is that you can use the heel turn to develop the character that you want to be. So when you can actually have the baby face turn, it's just a good a good version of the character that you built on this one. Because when you have the baby face path, most of the time it's just I'm just a good, happy-go-lucky babyface, and I'm just happy to be here and insert town name here. At least with a heel, it gives them more time to actually build a character that you can make the audience hate you. Because you can't just make be a babyface and just automatically go, oh, the good, I'm a good guy. The audience should just praise me because I fight for them. And I just don't think Priest is that kind of, uh, is that kind of, character definitely not definitely still like he is he's now in the transition to be like i said with gunther a main event a top tier main event player but he's been on he's been basically the muscle for judgment day for a while that he basically needs to sink or swim on his own and for me i just feel like that actually would help him heal wise at, but still have the judgment day. But in my personal and how I pictured the cash in, I think he would cash in on Finn basically pulling a triple H evolution, kicking Randy Orton out type of cash in. But that's, that's just my fantasy booking. And last but not certainly not least, we got what might very well might be my pick for match of the night. We've got the Usos finally defeating the Bloodline, winning the Civil War in spectacular fashion. I'm not going to say it. This one was way better than I thought it'd be, and the ending was about as satisfying as you can get. I love this one. I love this one, too. I wouldn't say it was my match of the night. Uh, that actually, I think, would go to the women's money in the bank. Um, but when it comes to the storytelling aspects, this this really is that point where it is cinema. Like the storytelling on the on the bloodline really is just top tier greatness all around. That they've been keeping this going for years and. The eventual payoff that finally puts in that final end to the bloodline storyline and just the bloodline as a faction 
man, this is going to be one that's going to have its own DVD of uh, like a of uh, like a documentary DVD or a documentary special on Peacock or whatever they do now. Well, I'll tell you what it or an kinda, AD special. It kind of almost exists because I know I posted this on the group chat on our personal group chat a while ago, but. If anyone listening to this show right now is familiar with the YouTube the YouTube channel Super Eye Patch Wolf, this guy is a big wrestling fan and anime nerd. He sort of drifts all over the place, but he produced what is essentially a one and a half hour breakdown of not just the bloodline but the entire Roman Reigns character as it is. And just the you just the extent that he breaks down everything to the Roman Reigns character, all leading up to the current status of the bloodline now. The, you're right. This is art, and this it almost makes me agree with it. Not giving Cody the title at WrestleMania 39, if and only if they conclude this entire storyline. And the world titles picture by WrestleMania 40. And you know what? With the way things are going, I actually believe that they can pull it off. Cody's winning the Rumble. Again. It's the only it's the only way he can get to that title now. I've said it. Hell, I think I said it on the on the uh, review show for WrestleMania. Yeah, you, you did call it relatively quick. I said that now this is just the story. He's going to win it. At, he's going to win it at Rumble. He's going to win the Rumble. And he will uh, end that story at WrestleMania. Now, when Roman is at his lowest of lows. Facing him at Roman at his highest of highs. In a way, it really does make sense to why I'm actually now warmed up to the idea of Cody not winning just because as great as they did filling up the time that he was gone. I do think if he didn't have that injury and he was gone for that significant amount of time, it probably would have been a completely different story. We probably, he probably would have won at 39, but him, this is basically him making up for the time that he lost when he had that in, when he had that torn peck. Yeah, I, I definitely I see that now. But I again, mean, I won't. I, I have a hard time buying into that. I got the little bit of doubt I have, let's say, the little bit of doubt I, ha- I still have, will only go away when I see what they set up for WrestleMania. Until then, it's like. I'm mostly there, but I still need a little bit more to be 100% confident. The only real problem now that I still have is that now I just don't care about Roman's title reign anymore. Yeah. I love, your, Dare, I love your Daredevil shirt, by the way. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I just had to get up and stretch the legs for a minute. Ugh, oh, there good. We go. we're, oh, we're good. good. We're good. But, but yeah, I think that's why I say that's, I am extremely skeptical, skeptical rather. If you would ask me that question of could they actually pull this all off? Like the day after WrestleMania 39, I would 
said like, no, no chance. My confidence in WWE is absolutely shot. No chance. Back then, I'd say it was like maybe a 5% chance. Now, I'm thinking it's probably going to be like a 6 I'm looking at like a 60% chance, 60% level of confidence. Depending on how they do things in over the next six months or so, I think that's going to be the big decider for me. Like, If they're going to be doing this, they're going to start projecting this long enough in advance to get to start building the hype for it. Because mm-hmm. I'll even argue that when he lost his match against Roman at Mania, people have been claiming, oh, now he lost. Cody's lost all momentum. The people don't care about it. The people don't care anymore. This is now just at a, just at a point where you guys completely fudge the ball. And I would just argue I think that's not at all the case. Cody has not lost any momentum. You still hear those pops. You still hear the crowd singing his song, and they're just into all of his matches. I don't. Cody hasn't. Yeah, I don't think I disagree with the statement that he's lost momentum. I do agree with the statement that I believe more people have lost confidence in WWE. Oh, people still love Cody. It's WWE as a corporate entity, especially since it was announced a day after that happened that Vince McMahon was still in the mix. That was, just for at least for me personally, that was a one-two punch of confidence that, yeah, Cody did everything he could, but if Vince and the old way of thinking is still on top of the mountain, it doesn't really matter how good Cody is. Now... I'm just hoping I'm wrong. Mm, uh, hope, let's hope. But judging from how SmackDown went and Vince was at the show at Madison Square Garden, I will say of all the sh- of all the stuff that happened on this sh- on SmackDown this uh, on tonight, having Karrion Cross completely job out to AJ Styles definitely felt like a Vince McMahon call. Yeah, that is a whole other can of worms that I really but, can't talk too but much about. But it's just basically pointing out the fact that as much as we want like, to have our confidence in WWE again, as long as Vince McMahon is possibly there, showing up at show important shows that he's cl- that's close to his home, he'll put that his grubby old creeper mustache fingers all over it. And the fact that he still is getting final says uh, over the phone or over Zoom or video calls, whatever. There's still there's just no confidence as long as he is still there. All that being considered, now that we've taken at least for Money in the Bank, which seems to be a relatively well-liked show by not just us, but the entire fandom as a whole. All that being considered, what is your final beard ratings for Money in the Bank 2023? I think I couldn't add any more praise to the show that people haven't already said. But when it comes to consistent, great shows, this is one of WWE's best years in a long, long time. And it's continuing on from this one. I This show was absolutely amazing. 
again, the only downside was just the creative choice of not having Dominic pin Cody, which wouldn't hurt Cody one little bit. But so that that was a big that was actually a big knockdown for me because I'm just thinking, come on, creatively, this it's just it's there for us for the taking, and you're just like. What's over here? The probably not so good, the, the not so good option compared to what you had there. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it a, a full beard, a very high full beard. I'll tell four you what, I'll, I'll absolutely join you on that four out of five full beard, especially the very high full beard. Mistakes and missteps were very minimal on this show, but the matches themselves, the vast majority of the matches, were highly enjoyable and very exciting, and it was a excellent show, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I second that full beard of the very high full beard, and yeah, I'd say you got a scholars approved money in the bank. Scholars approved money in the bank, and people are scholars approved uh, money in the bank holders. Because I can't, because we just as we said, we can't wait to see where they go from here. Big time. So with that all said, those are our review. That is our review of Money in the Bank 2023. But now is the time in the show where we turn it over to you, our fellow fans. What did you think of the outcome of Money in the Bank? Did your chosen person win? Whatever you think, let us know all across the internet. YouTube comments, Facebook posts, the Twitter machines, wherever you are, we are. And, of course, you can always join the conversation on Twitter directly. Fool, where can I reach you? You can reach me at the Avataric. And you can catch me at I'm Robbie Rage. Join in the conversation. It's always a great time. And for all of these social media links and much more, you can check us out at our link tree in the description below. That's linktree slash scholars of wrestling. And with that, we are finally out for this week. Thanks so much for joining us. We're going to be back next week with a whole new crop of trash talk predictions and all the things we do, the things you know us for, because we are the scholars of wrestling and you have just been schooled. You're You're welcome. welcome. See you all next week. (laughs) 